Absurdist Astrology on Open Lines Radio is brought to you by Synergy Creative Systems. Synergy Creative Systems uses multiple social media and online platforms that operate independently as freestanding entities to post killer content that discreetly work in conjunction with each other to build robust and enduring images and brands through promotion by proxy. My name is Tessa, and welcome to Absurdist Astrology, a podcast where I will be talking about the mundane, that is, the day-to-day astrology that is happening in this very moment. This very moment being whenever you have the opportunity to listen to this, so welcome again. I'm Tessa, and thank you for being here. So this week, I wanted to talk about a couple particular transits. There is one in particular, you might have already heard about, and different astrologers will debate on the actual importance of this conjunction happening between Jupiter and Neptune on April 12th, 2022. But I'm here to explain a little bit more about the history and, again, the mundane day-to-day relevance of why a conjunction like this might actually be important to the collective not necessarily on a personal level, but rather generational themes that exist, and I hope we can explore together. So Jupiter and Neptune do conjunct, do form a conjunction about every 12 to 13 years. There's 12 signs of the zodiac, of course, so Jupiter moves about every 12 years through the signs. So the last time a conjunction between these two planets occurred was in 2009, but it was in the sign of Aquarius. So some of the themes of what was happening then was Bitcoin was created. Barack Obama was the first African-American president, of course, um, winning the Nobel Peace Prize the same year. On a sadder note, H1N1 swine flu was declared a global pandemic. So it is kind of strange to look back and see these themes of Aquarius change now to Pisces, where Jupiter and Neptune meet. So in 2011, Neptune entered Pisces, where it will continue to be until 2026. So Neptune is a very slow-moving body. It completes an orbit of the sun once every 165 years. Jupiter has been in Pisces since late December. It is the largest planet in our solar system. And it takes, again, about 12 years to orbit through the 12 signs of the zodiac. So it's much quicker than Neptune. And Neptune wasn't even discovered until 10 years before this conjunction happened last, which I think is very interesting. 
This Jupiter and Neptune conjunction in Pisces has not happened since 1856, again, 10 years before Neptune was even discovered, and it won't happen again until 2188, making this 2022 Jupiter and Neptune conjunction definitely something to note. So while I understand that astrologers debate on the significance of Neptune in the day-to-day -day chart of the average person, I feel like here... There is so much to learn from and to reflect on. So it's disagreed who exactly first discovered Neptune, but it's definitely the year 1846. Again, 10 years before this rare conjunction last happened. Now, the, the discovery of Neptune was thanks to advancements in mathematics, which I feel is a very important theme to know within the Pisces-Virgo opposition, where that mutable energy definitely invites a lot of intellect and discovery. So what incredible thing here now, so many years later, the advancements we've made as far as our mathematical discoveries, it's incredible to look back on. So Uranus as well wasn't discovered until 65 years before Neptune was discovered. That was March 1781. So it is highly debated how Uranus and Neptune became the modern rulers of Aquarius. That is, you know, Uranus rules Aquarius. Neptune rules Pisces. That really didn't happen until the 20th century, about like, 50 years after the planets were even discovered. The astrologers of Mesopotamia, who, you know, of course, the Hellenistic astrologers learned and, and grew from Persian. Anyhow, um, these astrologers were not taking any consideration of Neptune and Uranus because they had no clue they even existed, right? So that is definitely important to note. However, when we're looking in the terms of history and, and the planet's significance in generational themes, the fact that this conjunction last happened almost exactly 10 years after it was even discovered, I think totally reflects what those modern astrologers in the 20th century decided. And again, that's why I like to call myself an absurdist astrologer because I am 100% acknowledging the fact that we are projecting these meanings onto the planets. And I feel like, unfortunately, modern astrology as compared to the ancient astrology definitely reflects that more poorly <laughs> because the ancient astrologers definitely had a lot more time to view these patterns over centuries and centuries and millennia even. And now here we are with only about 150 years of knowledge trying to project this huge meaning onto this conjunction that we've really not, no one in our time has seen and no one will see again. But we do have the history. And that's what I, I love. So again, in 1856, I talked about this briefly with Mark when we did our podcast, but the Treaty of Paris was signed on March 30th, 1856. And this ended the Crimean War, which forbade Russia from basing warships in the Black Sea. So this is a theme we're definitely seeing very present again with Russia constantly in the news. Of course, not any end of these wars in sight, but I am truly hoping 
you know, with this tough news of inflation and gas prices, it's been crazy. And, and unfortunately, the reality is, is a lot of these lessons are not happy and they're not positive, you know. But what did come out of the end of the Crimean War that was good was also advancements in nursing by the likes of Florence Nightingale, who, of course, is a nurse most people view synonymous with modern nursing. Um, improvements in sanitation levels uh, were absolutely paramount, and nurses like her pushed for it because of the end of the Crimean War. Mind you, Pisces is opposite Virgo, the sign traditionally associated. So I find it really cool that we're seeing those themes again. Of course, not necessarily in the most positive light as far as healthcare and nursing being at the forefront of a lot of what we hear in politics and news with coronavirus still, you know, being relevant. Of course, we're in a much better place than we were two years ago, but it is still very very relevant to the general themes of what we're seeing as a whole. Another thing that happened in 1856 that was really sad, just to kind of bring context again to these Jupiter and Neptune themes that aren't always positive, where Jupiter traditionally expands and brings good. We're also seeing, unfortunately, a lot of the tougher themes with Neptune beyond the bounds of what we can see and, and the kind of the hopefulness, but not necessarily in the brightest of light. Sometimes it's like a shot in the dark. So the Mormon handcart tragedy of 1856 was when 500 Mormons left Iowa City and they headed for Salt Lake City, Utah, carrying all of their possessions in two-wheeled handcarts. I just feel like that really provides the symbolism that we also need, where other astrologers, and, and myself included, have talked about Jupiter meeting Neptune as this grand expansion for the collective to really imagine and bring prosperity. But often this is not possible unless we go through this hard and arduous process and again, the symbology of Mormons carrying all their possessions in two-wheeled hand carts from Iowa City to Salt Lake City, I feel like kind of puts into context how we're feeling when we talk about everything's going to be sunshine and roses and brighter and brighter. And yet here we are pushing ourselves, forcing ourselves to immigrate and go where we know life is better. But that process of getting there is so hard and it takes us down. and you know, there was really not much we could do other than surrender. And I feel like what you believe about whatever religious bodies, albeit you know, difference of opinion, what I will say about what was happening during that time in like the 1850s in particular, there was a lot of like theosophy, uh, Tarot card reading was becoming more popular, spiritualism, and it does go hand in hand with like the Mormon themes of, of belief and, and Pisces is what I'm trying to say is those institutions, if you will, and how that's relevant to today is the institutions um, taking our freedom away and making us feel like prisoners in some regards. And, and I won't even get into the politics of what, what that might mean to certain people compared to others. But what I'm trying to say is that we, we feel imprisoned despite these 
signs of hope that kind of glare off in the distance and we see the flashing lights in the distance but it's like we're pushing those hand carts and we're facing that bright flashing light of jupiter that we can visualize but neptune is beyond the bounds of saturn we can't visualize saturn so we just feel stuck so again talking about neptune when it wasn't discovered until 1846, 10 years before this rare conjunction last even happened, it really wasn't until the early 20th century astrologer, Alan Leo, that Neptune and Uranus were really even discussed in terms of day-to-day chart readings, anything like that. Um, So I suppose just a side note here is just kind of have discretion where you get your information from. Um, If someone's trying to tell you that Neptune and Uranus has this big influence on your day-to-day life, that's really only if you have this close conjunction to a personal, not necessarily a conjunction, excuse me, an aspect is what I'm trying to say, to the orbs. Anyhow, that's a side note. But again, in the early 20th century, Alan Leo wrote his book, The Art of Synthesis, which was a study of planets relating it to consciousness. And that's what Gustav Holst based his masterpiece, The Planets, off of, which I'm sure if you listen to movements from The Planets by Gustav Holst, you would recognize some of those melodies and themes. So very interesting to note. Uh, Gustav Holst's movement was written between 1914 and 1916. So, again, Alan Leo is often credited with helping revive astrology in the early 20th century. And I feel like bringing Uranus and Neptune into that context did sort of sensationalize and um, bring new interest to a crowd that wanted something a little more, you know, different than the traditional rulerships. Um, So basically what I'm trying to say here in the context of generational themes of planets like Neptune, Uranus, Pluto that exist without the bounds of Saturn, we do need to acknowledge that the ancient astrologers with 6,000 plus years of knowledge, of practice, they never considered these planets even being present. And it wasn't until advancements in mathematics in 1846 that even made the discovery of these planets possible. Well, that is, you know, Uranus was discovered X amount of years before in the 1700s. But anyhow, it was, again, thanks to advancements in mathematics. And it's very important for me personally to note my gratitude and thanks to the ancient astrologers who, again, viewed Jupiter always as the traditional ruler of Pisces. And for Jupiter, the largest planet in our solar system, to meet up with Neptune, who in the past century and a half or so has come to be so closely associated with the themes of Pisces. And this was really done just through observations of modern astrologers taking the god of Neptune's themes and associating that with the wateriness, the dreaminess, ethereal, 
but it's it's almost just like a, a representation rather than Jupiter being the true traditional ruler of Pisces is definitely far more personal for those that really want to experience day-to-day changes. This Jupiter and Neptune conjunction that's happening on April 12th, just to collect the general theme, is going to reflect a shift in consciousness as a whole, not necessarily you on a personal level, unless you personally have planetary aspects that are in close orb to this. So, again, having 6,000 years to build up on this knowledge of what's happening within the bounds of Saturn, it's so cool to look at what Uranus and Neptune do for us in the past like century and a half, but you know, as I further my practice in traditional astrology, I just want you to know and understand that Jupiter was always the traditional ruler of Pisces, and hopefully we can learn so much from that. So now that we've talked a lot of those generational, a little bit more personal. So on Sunday, Mercury entered Taurus, switching our ability to perceive things from a more childlike me, I, self, ego of the Aries, moving it to a more slow, practical, more reserved, finer taste type of Mercury and Taurus. So from Sunday the 10th to the 12th, the moon will still be in Leo though. So with Mars at those late degrees of Aquarius and the moon in such late degrees of Leo at the beginning of this week in particular, there might be a little bit of this fiery, flowery, uh, personal frustration, a likelihood for anger that exists, even despite all of these generational themes where we're really trying to shift our consciousness for the greater good and humanity and all that, there's still just kind of this, but he said that I said that you said, you know, Moon and Leo, unfortunately, can kind of be associated with that gossipy, poking at you, instigative type, not necessarily, you know, out of malintent, but sometimes just for the sake of it, just because you can, and again, with Mars in opposition to that moon in Leo, there can definitely be this tension that exists that's just tough. So the sun in Aries will also form a sextile to Saturn on April 12th, the same day as that rare conjunction between Jupiter and Neptune. So Aries' sun being the sign, the first sign of the zodiac associated with ambition, power, forming an exact sextile to Saturn in Aquarius, the malefic in its own domicile, um, again, traditionally ruled by Aquarius, but somewhere in the 20th century, Uranus became associated with Aquarius. But again, traditionally, Saturn was always ruled by Aquarius, forming a sextile to the sun in Aries, It creates this relationship of a sense of duty, a serious attitude, very father-son, a dedicated father-son type of dynamic. Um, It's an excellent time to be meeting goals. 
determination, drive, power, um, devotion, just definitely themes of devotion I'm seeing here. Um, you know, the difference between that and the Pisces energy where sometimes Pisces, unfortunately, with that mutability can kind of just find itself wanting to float and feel and, and just go through the motions. Sun in Aries and Saturn in Aquarius on the 12th also invites this more personal dynamic of wanting to act and, and to do. And we might feel like, again, Neptune out of the bounds of what we can see beyond Saturn. It's like this grasping that we're just trying to reach at that change and it's just something we're seeing in the distance but it's not necessarily there for us to truly have but again I feel like it's it's really a nice relationship that we have happening on the 12th with the sun forming a sextile to Saturn and Aquarius so Saturn takes about 29 30 years to go through the 12 signs of the zodiac I always find it interesting just to put into context what was happening in history. So again, 30 years ago, I just was curious who was born around that time, what celebrities, because, you know, 1993, us millennials are getting older now. So um, on April 16th, 1993, that was Chance the Rapper's birthday. Um, so he's about to be going through his Saturn return uh, this week. Um, well, not necessarily. It, it could not be in that close or, but the sextile is what I'm talking about, see, because he has that in a very close orb in his chart, and that'll go exact this week. So happy birthday, Chance the Rapper. Um, this past month, he released a new song called Child of God. So again, when I'm talking about the child's son in Aries forming a sextile to Saturn in Aquarius... God, you know, whatever Saturn, be it, whatever you believe in, I find it really cool that he's just acknowledging that relationship in his astrology chart without consciously being aware of it. Or who knows? I mean, there, he could be consciously aware of it. There are definitely celebrities that know and understand their birth charts. Don't get that twisted. I don't know about this personally. Again, everyone's a little different, but I just thought that was cool, important to note because it's just... Putting into terms, again, with the mundane astrology, just when we can look back in history and Chance the Rapper was born the last time 30 years ago where Saturn had the opportunity to form this sextile with Aries in particular. Again, Saturn's definitely forming sextiles here and there along those 30 years, but Saturn in Aquarius in particular is what kind of makes that... Um, chance <laughs> the rapper <laughs> of that happening again <laughs> sorry so lame but <laughs> i thought that was cool to know you know definitely relevant to what's happening now so again what's happening now is the beginning of the week we have mercury entering taurus we've been dealing with mercury and aries which was just kind of like amplifying that fiery ego me self which again we love that here and there but it's tough. So with Mercury and Taurus, it's been complementing Venus and Pisces. Venus and Pisces happened last week. That's its sign of exaltation. It's been easing us into taking our healing more seriously. And especially when the moon leaves the sign of Leo, that again has been amplifying those Mars and Aquarius effects, we'll have the moon enter Virgo on April 13th in opposition to this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. So with that Virgo and that Pisces mutability, 
opposition happening, I do see issues surrounding concerns of inflation, concerns about health care. Um, but with the moon in Virgo on the 13th in particular, I feel like that definitely is a highlight of this week. I feel like it's an opportunity for us to be more conscientious of our health choices to, you know, look at this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction happening in opposition to the moon of Virgo and really pull in like a magnet those lessons from the generational aspect and kind of pull it into a more personal theme where we can kind of mother and, and nurture these concepts that we know need addressing. So when Mars enters Pisces on April 14th, that will definitely tie it in beautifully, adding another planet to the opposition of the moon in Virgo. So, you know, of course the moon moves very quickly, 28 days. So it'll be like a nice little glimpse in the context of what's been going on generationally, but on a personal level, hopefully if allowed, it can be an opportunity to just kind of nurture and love and, and take a breath. And, and especially with Mars and Venus being together in Pisces, where they've been traveling through the sign of Aquarius for some time now, which is more about individuation, um, Pisces, especially with Venus being there in its sign of exaltation, is much more loving, much more nurturing, much more concerned about the collective. And again, with that rare conjunction happening between Jupiter and Neptune, I feel like we're definitely seeing those generational themes be reflected on a more personal level. So all this energy of this week um, with the waxing moon forming uh, a waxing gibbous as it's going through Virgo, it will become a full moon on the 16th. So this is the first full moon of the spring 2022 season after the spring equinox, of course. And it's also the last lunar cycle before eclipse season begins. So that will definitely be touched upon later on. But um, essentially, with Mercury entering the early degrees of Taurus, when we have uh, Mercury retrograde happen later um, from May 22nd to June 13th, this Mercury and Taurus time is definitely a preview to some of that eclipse season energy we'll be seeing. But again, the full moon in Libra in particular is going to bring attention our relationships, our tendencies to overgive. We'll have to look at ourselves as individuals in our relationships and how we can be present in those relationships, you know, it's not always easy to admit to ourselves where we might not be present. And with Mercury forming a sextile to Venus, you know, as this full moon is happening in Libra, it does bring a little different of a dynamic where we might feel this tension still of our presence in our relationships, but it's been tough. It's been really tough to be present for others when so much on a collective level has been forcing us to look at our health, look at our wellness, look at our finances. You know, inflation is out of hand. We've really had to take a realistic look at who we offer our space and our time to. And I feel like this full moon in Libra is definitely hopefully 
a breath of fresh air as we enter into eclipse season. And we've had the opportunity to take the lessons of this rare Jupiter-Neptune conjunction in Pisces, uh, amplifying our presence in the collective. And then with the sun in Aries, well, that's our individuation. You know, that goes from the last sign of the zodiac right to the first sign of the zodiac. So the lessons there are really different and yet right next to each other. So it's like that kind of energy of like being right there. And, and, and I keep getting this visual of like a, a blip in the distance and, and you're like, I'm thinking about the Mormons pushing their hand carts again, but seriously, jokes aside, it's like, I, I, I visualize that, that, that is the energy of what we're feeling is, is the distance that we travel and we go and how worth it it can be. And it's tough and it's dark. And I feel like astrology oftentimes in modern day is unfortunately almost used as an excuse of, well, I have this sign in my chart, so I can't change it. Well, see, everything is always constantly changing. But when we have these aspects happen and these trans-Saturnarian bodies that only happen once every... 150 years plus, it's an opportunity for us as a collective to look back at what was going on and our ancestors way back then were fighting themes so similar to what we're going through now with the end of the Crimean War and how those nurses worked so hard to revolutionize healthcare. And here we are going through another pandemic when in 2009, when Neptune last met with Jupiter, there was the swine flu. It's really important for us to put into context, and again, being the Absurdist Astrology podcast here, we are constantly giving meaning to the meaningless. So in conclusion, this week is definitely great in the sense of the collective having an opportunity to view themselves as one in the whole and with this accumulation of all this energy with the full moon and Libra at the end of the week, take a moment to forgive yourself and where you may have been lacking in your relationships and where those you love may have been lacking in your relationships because ultimately we're just on the third rock from the sun and we're just grooving and moving. So hopefully you'll catch this podcast again. If you have questions uh, concerns, you can find me at absurdist underscore astrology on Instagram. Thank you, Mark, for holding space for me here on Open Lines Radio. You can check him out on SoundCloud, on Instagram, on his miscellaneous forms, such as Open Lines Radio, Tin Can Telephone, Hobo Safe Camp, all in all. We are just astral hobos here, and I feel that 100%. So thank you so much for being here. Again, feel free to reach out if you have any questions, concerns, and hopefully we'll catch each other next week. Um, peace out, and I hope that these transits treat you well. Thank you.